0: Amen. Well, last week uh, I mentioned that uh, we were going to decorate for Christmas in the McLean household, Um, and today I can tell you that yes, indeed, we did decorate for Christmas uh, this past week. Has anyone else decorated for Christmas yet? A little bit up here, a little bit up here and 100% over here. Um, Yeah, Uh, we love uh, the Christmas season, uh, Jamie and I, uh, but we have to remember as we uh, enjoy the Christmas season, decorate for Christmas, enjoy of all the Christmas festivities that are set uh, to come in the near future, uh, that this is all a holiday in remembrance of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it was the single most important birth in all of history. I mean, we don't celebrate anybody's anybody else's birthday that took place uh, over two thousand years ago. Jesus is one of a kind in that regard. That we still. Celebrate his birthday. I mean, that that's incredible. I mean, just our uh, fathers, grandfathers, grandparents, great-great grandparents, when they uh, have passed away, we we no longer really celebrate their birthday too much. But yet, we still celebrate the birthday of Jesus who was born over 2,000 years ago. And it was a miraculous birth. As a virgin Mary, his mother, was conceived by God's Holy Spirit. There's simply no other birth like the story of Jesus being born in a manger. And that one birth changed the entire course of mankind. As without Jesus, we are all, you and I, we are a big, hot Mess. We we are a big train wreck without Jesus in our lives. Without Jesus, we're completely overtaken by the bad guy of sin. As sin, again, is the main antagonist in all of our lives. It's the main antagonist in, in the story of humanity. It's because of sin that we have all lost loved ones in our lives. It's because of sin that we have sickness and pain. It's because of sin that that you and I and our neighbors and everyone else around us was a big train wreck. And so every single human being needs saved from this issue of sin. And our merciful and gracious God did indeed offer us an opportunity to be saved from sin. As our good, good heavenly father, he laid down his son on the cross to offer us salvation from sin. And all we have to do today, all we have to do here in the 21st century, is we have to express a living and active faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ. It is that easy, just a living and active faith. And so today we are concluding our series on the seven doctrines of salvation. As thus far we talked about six different ways that God saved us from sin by laying his precious Son Jesus down on the cross on behalf of each and every one of us. And so today we conclude this series, talk about the seven doctrines of salvation, which was inspired by Alva Huffer's book, Systematic Theology. I have two, two extra copies in my office if anyone is interested in that book. Um, but today we include, c- conclude the series by talking about adoption. This is a topic that we talked a bit about uh, this past Father's Day, um, if you remember all the way back from June. But today we're going to take a look at it with a uh, different angle in talking about this concept of adoption. But first off, we all have to understand that every human being is the creation of God. You and I, we, we are created in the image of God. Your neighbor down the street, they, they he or she is created in the image of God. We see that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, where, where God said, us, let us make man in our image. And so God made you and I in his image. The issue is that the misconception is that not everyone is a child of God. That, that, that's simply not true. Every single person that you come into contact with is not a child of God. It is a special distinction for those who have a living and active faith in god and his son jesus christ as naturally we are not all children of god and this is expressed uh, quite clearly in a handful of scriptures in the new testament but the most clear example in my eyes is expressed in first john chapter three if you have your bibles you can open up to the book of first john near the very back of your bibles Hebrews, James, First and 2 Peter, and First John. So 1 John chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, we see it's expressed clearly that naturally we are not all children of God. As John here, he writes in chapter 3, verse 7, he says, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So John makes, makes it black and white for us here. Not everyone is a child of God, which, which is a big misconception in my eyes. A lot of people think that, ha- that, that we are all just naturally children of God. There's a careful discrepancy. We're all the offspring of God, but we are not all naturally the children of God. John illustrates this. Those who are of God do not have a practice of sinning. But those who are of the devil, I mean, those are strong words. The children of the devil are the ones who have a practice of sinning. Now, for a couple of years, uh, I've been coaching soccer in the fall. And there are four main, main things that you can do in soccer you can defend. You can pass, you can dribble, and you can shoot. That's basically the whole entire game of soccer right there. So in order for our team to get better, we practice defending, we practice dribbling, we practice passing and shooting. We got to do that. We got to practice these things. And So as we practice it, we, we repeat these certain actions time and time again. And in the same sense, we when we repeat a sin over and over in our lives, then we have a practice of sinning in our lives. And uh, the scary words here in 1 John chapter 3: no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. So if someone has a practice of sinning, if they repeat the sin over and over and over, and they're identified by their sin, then here John says they are not a child of God very very strong words and so naturally as we are all enslaved by sin naturally none of us are children of God instead naturally we are all strangers to God or even worse as uh, John puts it here we are children of the devil and so you and I we need saved from this we we absolutely need saved, we need salvation and this aspect of how sin corrupts you and I. And fortunately for us, God delivers again. God is a faithful God and He delivers for us time and time again. And God offers us salvation, and then naturally we are strangers to him. Naturally we are children of the devil. God offers a better plan for us if we have a living and active faith. And we could see this plan found in the same chapter, in 1 John chapter 3, and found in verses 1 and 2. John writes, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So God has given us a great love, and with this great love that God has given you and I, we are called children of God. You and I, we are called children of the creator of the heavens and the earth. That is your father. That is your dad. And that is a privilege, that is an honor that your neighbor down the road who doesn't have a living and active faith, that is not their father. That is not their heavenly father. For for their children, as John here so politely puts it, they are children of the devil. And so as we speak right now, and I love it, when, when John, he repeats this again in verse two, he says, beloved, we are God's children. And what's the time frame that we're talking about? John says right now, beloved, we are God's children now. And so as you and I are talking right now, we are the children of God. And so if you have accepted Jesus as your savior, as your savior, I'm mean, going to struggle with my words this morning, uh, then, then I want you to repeat after me, all right? I am a child of God I am a child of God. Yes, that is who you are. You are a child of God if you have a living and active faith. and to make this even more personal, I want you to repeat after me again and I want you to include your own name in this. So repeat after me, I, Kyle, am a child of God. I am a child of God. what Yeah, I hope none of you guys said Kyle. Your name's not Kyle. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, But that is a beautiful, beautiful picture. As we come together, we fellowship together, and we all are children of God. And guess what? That makes you special. That makes you different from those around you. Because again, naturally, you and I both, naturally, we are not children of God. As God laid down his one and only begotten son, jesus christ and he did that in order that you and i could be adopted as god's children and you know john doesn't really talk about this process of being uh, a stranger to god to now being a child of god but this process is done through adoption and we could see this uh, repeatedly throughout the new testament romans chapter 8 verse 15 reads you have received the spirit of adoption as sons Galatians chapter 4 verse 5 reads, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 reads, for adoption to himself, that being God, as sons through Jesus Christ. And so so through Jesus Christ, we are God's children by this beautiful, beautiful process of adoption. And today, Today, we are children of God. The day that we have expressed that living and active faith, that is the day that you are recognized, that you are adopted as a child of the God who created the trees, the God who created the beautiful blue sky, the God who created you and I and our neighbor down the street. That is your heavenly Father. He adopted you as your beloved child. That is who you are. And not only do we have this blessing of being God's children right now, but that same blessing is going to be available to us in God's coming kingdom. My favorite passage in all of the Bible about God's coming kingdom found in Revelation chapter 21, last passage that we'll flip to this morning. Revelation chapter 21, the very last book of your Bible, the second to last chapter and here the writer of Revelation, John, he has a vision of this kingdom where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. And in this vision that John has in chapter 21, he sees that there's going to be a new heaven, and there's going to be a new earth, for the old earth and the old earth, the old earth and the old heaven has passed away. And on top of that, descending from heaven is going to come the new city of Jerusalem in all of its glory. And on top of that in this kingdom age god himself god himself is going to dwell with us we're going to see god face to face i i cannot wait to see my heavenly father face to face and that's what's what that, that, what that store in us, according to Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. And then John continues, and he says, on top of that, on top of having fellowship and dwelling with God, God's going to wipe away every tear. It's going to wipe away all the sickness and pain and death, for all the former things will have passed away. And so John continues in verse 5, where, where, where we will pick up this morning. And John writes, and he who was seated on the throne, so that's God. God is the one who is seated at the throne. Jesus is at, Jesus at the right hand of God, but God is the one seated on the throne. And so God said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, that's God, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and which is the second death. So here in this beautiful vision that John has of this kingdom age when Jesus is going to descend from heaven to earth, here on earth, God, or here John says that God is going to be our father. We are going to be his children. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. We will be God's children. We will be God's sons and daughters in this coming uh, kingdom, a day and age that has no end. Now, for those who aren't children of God, John here talks about in verse 8 that they will partake in the second death as they will burn with fire and sulfur um, in the lake of fire in Gehenna. And so that's what's at store for you and I, for those of us who are children of God. And again, we have to remember all we have to do in this grand scheme of things, all we have to do is express a living and active faith. If you have that living and active faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ, then you are a child of God. And it's all made possible because of Christ Jesus. As without Christ Jesus You and I, we are a big, hot mess. Throughout this series, we have talked about, in the first week, we talked about how without Christ, Ben, if you have these slides, without Christ, we are a debtor. We are a debtor without Christ. As Paul says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. You and I, we are indebted to the wages of the sin of death without Christ. Without Christ, on top of being a debtor, we are a criminal. We have broken the law of God. And so without Christ, by definition, you and I are criminals. Without Christ, you and I, we are an enemy of God. As we go against God's will, and by definition, that is an enemy. And so without Christ, we are enemies of God. Without Christ... You and I, we are slaves to sin. As sin is our master, and we, without Christ, we have no power over sin. Sin rules over us without Christ. Without Christ, we are unholy. We are just like the big hot mess like everyone else around us. There is nothing that separates us from the rest of the world without Christ. Without Christ, we are dead in our sins. Sin is the cause of our death, and we have no way around it. Without Christ, as we learned today, we are a stranger to God. We have no part with God. We are children of the devil, as John writes in 1 John chapter 3. That is who we are without Christ. That's an ugly picture. That's an ugly picture of who we are without Christ. But praise God. Praise God that he had his perfect son, Jesus Christ. He had everything that he wanted in his son. And he laid his precious son, Jesus, down on the cross so that we can have victory over sin. As with Christ, we have forgiveness. We're once We were a debtor, now we are forgiven. Our debt of death has been forgiven. We no longer have to pay that debt of life. With Christ, we have justification where once we were a criminal, now we are declared righteous. God declares you as a righteous human being because of the sacrifice of his son. With Christ, we have reconciliation where once we were an enemy of God and now we are a friend of God. God, he enjoys our company. He enjoys our fellowship. He looks forward to fellowshipping with us in an eternal age. In his coming kingdom, we are a friend of God. With Christ, we have redemption where once we were a slave to sin and now we are free from sin. Sin has no power over us. With Christ, sin has no power as we are free from sin. With Christ, we have sanctification. Where once we were unholy, now we are a saint. We are a saint of God. With Christ, we have newness of life. Where once we were dead in our sins, and now we have been given new life. We're different from those around us. We have different thoughts. We have different feelings. We have different actions. We have that new life living within us. With Christ, we have access to adoption where once we were a stranger to God, but now we are a child of God. That's the beautiful picture of who you are. That's who you are. And it's all made possible because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. As without that sacrifice, you and I, we have zero power over sin. But because of of the sacrifice of Jesus, we have victory. Victory belongs to you and I where we have victory over the main antagonist in all of history of mankind, sin. We have access to that victory and the access is for us to have right now. We've been saved from sin. God has offered salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. These are the seven different ways, seven different ways in which you and I are saved from sin. And so as we transition into communion this morning, Ben, if you just play uh, that last slide that talks about who you guys are, I want you all to just take a couple of minutes and reflect on who you are That's who you are up there because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus is the only way that we can have this life. We can be identified with these things written behind us. So go ahead and take a couple of minutes and reflect on this good gift of salvation that we have. have been forgiven. Due to one single act of love you've been declared righteous. Due to one single act of love you are a friend of God. Due to one single act of love you are free from sin. Due to one single act of love you are a saint. Due to one single act of love you've been given new life, and due to one single act of love, you are a child of God. That's who you are. It's all made possible in the sacrifice of Jesus. And so this morning, we, we recognize, remember the price that was paid, as this bread represents the body of Jesus that was bruised and broken for us so that we can have salvation from sin. Let's pray over the bread. Father, we love you. We thank you that you've given us salvation. You've given us victory over sin. Father, this morning we recognize the price, the steep price that was paid to offer us salvation over sin. As you watched your precious son Jesus His body being bruised and broken for us. Father, we thank you for that. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.